Welcome to episode 822 of The Sleeper in the Bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Long time no see, guys. How are you? Yeah, I, I I miss talking to you. I miss talking baseball. It's you know I get I get together with Paul still because we just BS about you know whatever. But uh, if... I would be terrible in that. I've seen some of the like the the character drafts. Mm-hmm. And I've seen. And I was like, yeah, that, that I would not do well on those. I would be like the guy that runs into the draft for the magazine going, hey, all right, guys, I'm ready. Yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm glad we can talk about baseball, and I'm gonna I'm gonna suspend my I'm going to suspend my gut feeling that we're still not going to have it so we can continue talking. I, I still can't shake that feeling myself. I don't know about you, but I, I'm still like part of me is like, man, we're going to get three weeks past July 4th and it's gonna be like, oh, so but I want to be wrong. I want to be so wrong on this. Yeah, there is that part of me that is really afraid, especially if you look at like, you know, the numbers and things of the virus going around the country like, is this just going to continue to get worse, and all of a sudden they're just going to shut everything back down? I hope it's not the case, because, man, I am, I am like, full bore back into baseball, and, and going from, you know, first to fifth gear again was not easy. Uh, <laughs> so, like, if I have, if I waste, like, another, like, month of, like, prep and stuff for a season that's not going to happen, I'm going to be pretty pissed. Well, you and I were talking off air. It's like I spent this week rediscovering what I drafted because I, I literally have not looked at anything related to what I drafted in March uh, and even into April uh, as we we're doing some of the triple th- uh, threat stuff that Derek Ben Riper had set up. So I just went back and put a Google sheet together of my roster. I was like, huh, I see a number of trends. Like, I really like Austin Allen because he is my second catcher. Uh, in uh, three leagues, every AL league, he is my second catcher. And uh, I have your mean Mercedes and my reserves in every one of the leagues. Somebody sniped me on Andrew Kittredge in tout reserves. I forget who did it, but he's the only only AL league where he doesn't, why I don't have him. And I apparently, Lewis Thorpe was a popular reserve. I'm looking at some trends going, oh yeah, okay, shed long, have him just about everywhere possible. Uh, so it's just interesting to see back and look and go, oh, yeah, I, I like how I put that team together. What the hell was I thinking on that one? But at least I have a Google sheet now so I can keep track of who's where. Because somebody asked me the other day, I was doing a, uh, on Friday, recording with uh, Todd and Clay at the Rotowire podcast. And we got talking about Miguel Sano. And I was like, I think I drafted him somewhere. I forget, though. <laughs> it turns out I took him in the, in the uh, triple threat uh, mixed auction. Uh, so, But that was the only place. I, I could not recall where I had drafted him. Yeah, I've got to do the exact same thing as I was telling you. Like with NFBZ shutting down some of their contests, but not other ones. Like I think I lost a good portion of my already drafted leagues, so and I've got to go back and figure out okay, which guys do I have on which teams? And usually I have a doc already set up for the season, and with everything that's going on, I just haven't done it yet. But uh, that'll be that'll be a fun project probably this weekend that that I'll get to. I enjoyed doing it this morning. I just, I just sat down. I was like, all right, let me let me put this stuff together. And I was like, hmm, I really like my AL Labor team, my tout team, still not crazy about. Uh, really love my TGFBI team. I'm winning that. Just calling that now. Just mm, telling you guys. Not sorry. I, I'm going to win that. <laughs> I, I, I really like my team as well. Got Clevenger in the fourth. Uh, you know, is, is, is my number two starter. Uh, so like I'm feeling, and, and it's one of the leagues that I still have that hasn't like suffered a, a Luis Severino or a Noah Syndergaard loss. Uh, so 
Yeah, no, no. TGFBI is mine this year. I will take the asterisks in that one and the main event. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> you can give me the whatever. asterisks. Yeah, it's like whatever, man. <laughs> get me through. I think, I, you know, uh, I was on a um, a spot with uh, 590 AM in Toronto this morning, and they were asking, like, hey, how long is a credible fantasy season? I think, yeah. You know, and my local leagues came to the same number as the the expert leagues. Where I think 45 games is where the threshold is, and that's what my local leagues agreed on too. So it's like 45 games. A title is a title. Uh, yeah, maybe I will. Uh, we we still haven't in one league. We haven't even paid dues yet. We're trying to figure out. We held that off until the season. And the other one, we did pay full dues back in March, but there's been no discussion. Uh, and these are both CBS leagues, and I know CBS recently announced all leagues are free this year. Oh wow! So if you pay, yeah, if you pay, that came out on Thursday or Friday. So if like if you pay to share, uh, you should look at that. And so like in my head, I'm I'm making okay, when I do win every one of these leagues and whatever, it's like that proportion. I'm taking obviously making some donations, setting aside because it's like I shouldn't reap. If you get that, you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll take the title on paper, but financially, it's like I, I want to you know, share the wealth, um, uh, with that. So that's what I'm looking at. But yeah, I, you know, if I happen to win tout this year or labor this year, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, my celebration will be the same, whether it was a full season or whether it was whatever it is. And well, however much baseball we get. Nice. All right. So we're going to talk some baseball today. We'll, we'll we're going to talk some news and notes and then some, uh, you know, shortened season strategy, uh, kind of build upon the pod that, uh, Paul and I did on Thursday, I think it was. So uh, I, I just dropped my top 150 starting pitchers. You can go check that over uh, on the site on Fangraphs. Uh, Paul dropped his top 100. Do you, have you dropped anything recently? Uh, I'll withhold jokes. No, I have not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> well, I you have not. You can follow uh, Jason over on Twitter at Jason Collette, me on Twitter uh, at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, so yeah, let's let's talk some news. Uh, one of the big pieces of news is Ryan Zimmerman is still uh, undecided in terms of whether or not he is going to play this year. He has, I believe, like a three-week-old child at home uh, that is high risk, and then uh, another another. Uh, family member at home that has multiple sclerosis and is very high risk. So uh, he is debating whether or not he's going to play. Uh, how would this affect, it, let's say he does sit out. Obviously you're not going to draft him. Uh, and until we have any real kind of confirmation that he is playing, you're not going to draft him because he's going solo anyways. But how would this affect the rest of the Nationals lineup for you? Uh, for me, I, I think it would give the the immediate spike to Howie Kendrick to allow him to run into the DH role. But I can see, and I was having this conversation earlier this morning. I think the National League as a whole is going to end up using this as a half day off, uh, rather than saying, "Okay, you are our full time DH as the National League guy." Because obviously, a lot of National League teams did not prepare their roster for it. Now you could look at Philadelphia with Jay Bruce and say, "All right, easy, logical," and that's against the righties. But you know, you have another option against against lefty pitchers. But you look at this nationals bench and you're like okay who would be the beneficiary kendrick's the easy one but then maybe you give as Drupal cabrera and his old legs you give him a chance at there you give eric Timms, you let him dh uh instead of playing first base maybe they just use it as rotating day off give a guy a, a break off his legs rather than saying okay you two you're our dhs and go from there so i'll, I'll be curious to see how the nl reacts to this only because again their roster construction wasn't they didn't have this in mind and so it just seems like the easier case is to just use it as a rotating day off and sure somebody may 
Kendrick may be the primary beneficiary here if Zimmerman does uh, say, hey, you know what, this isn't in my best interest to play this year. Uh, but if he if he does play, I would see him in there just about every day just because you still want the bat. Yeah, completely agree with you. I think uh, uh, obviously a guy like Kendrick gets uh, a little bit of love. I think it gives uh, Carter Keyboom a little added safety in terms of staying in the lineup, uh, even if he struggles as a young guy. So, uh, And then Cabrera obviously gets uh, some boost. Even Eric Thames maybe gets a, a few more at-bats as opposed to just straight platooning. Uh, you know, and I mean, just can't until we have confirmation from Zimmerman, you can't draft him right now. I think it's just you, you just kind of got to wait and see. He's, you know, 36 years old, uh, you know, health problems at home. So totally understand guys like him not sitting out. You know, one of the reasons you know, I got a little heat for for ranking uh, Carlos Carrasco so low is the same type of reasons. Like, I, you know, I would not blame him one bit if he sat out. For this year, it just it yeah, would make same. a ton of sense. And I'm surprised you got heat for that, quite honestly, because like he is the first guy that comes to mind about. Hey, should I really pitch this season? Should I really be out there? He is the first guy that comes to mind for me. Uh, and so, yeah, I would be. And it was um, you know the later we drafted, even back in the end, towards the end of March, I pushed him way down because I'm looking at uh, you know looking at half a season, looking at this not go with, without a vaccination, without it going away. There's just way too much risk for him as an individual, given what he's already gone through. So, yeah, I'm surprised you got heat for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> the commenters are always fun. Uh, <laughs> so let's uh, <laughs> let's talk. Uh, next guy is uh, John Brebia uh, of the Cardinals, who some people were looking at a guy as a guy that could be a sneak uh, closer. Uh, he is going to have Tommy John surgery, and it kind of flew under the radar, uh, maybe kind of got drowned out by some of the other news. So obviously he's out of the the uh, saves picture. Are you a uh, Gallegos guy, or is there somebody in that Cardinals bullpen that you're now looking at maybe uh, trying to grab in, uh, as a you know sneak saves guy? Uh, I am a Gallegos guy. Uh, believe in the skills there. It's tough to ignore what Ryan Helsley could be capable of. Um, and then I've also seen some talk about. You know, people are being excited about Jordan Hicks coming back. And I'll go back to my old my old test of, you know, how far away is he from his surgery is about a year ago today. I want to say he was the end of June. Maybe it was the end of May, but we're still not far out. And as as I say repeatedly, commands the last thing that comes back for these guys. And yeah, Jordan Hicks throwing 100 plus is nice, but if he has no idea where it's going, it's not so nice. And that's where I that's where my risk is. So I'm going to go with the safer play with Gallegos. But again, when in a shorter season, if somebody struggles, and managers could be have a shorter leash and say, you know what, no, I'm closer. Saves are going this way. Saves are going this way, and they can't give that veteran or the guy that they anointed. You're the man. I don't see that guy getting a chance to blow three in a row. If you third strike, that guy could be out. Next guy could be up. Yeah, and I think if Gallegos blows, uh, you know, blows his opportunity, I don't know that the Cardinals just go with a straight closer. Anyways, they there's nobody that strong in that bullpen that I feel really confident can grab the job and run with it necessarily. And it could just be like, okay, well, you're going to get Mondays and Tuesdays. You're going to get Wednesdays and Thursdays, You're, you know, and, and just kind of bounce it around. And then nobody's ownable because you're looking at guys who could probably top out at four or five, six saves in the season. That's not going to move the needle. 
uh, for a lot of guys. So I think Gallegos. Yeah, it could be is... matchup based. It can be ma- matchup based because Ponce de Leon's intriguing uh, as well. And there's a lot of times where you can say, okay, this is what this is the profile of the hitter. Okay, I'm going to use this guy again. We've got. 30-man rosters, <laughs> then we've got 28, then we've got 26. So for a while, it's going to be tough to see how the with, – with extra pitchers, I, I think Doug Dennis said it best on Twitter this morning, it could be like September baseball over the course of a full season, uh, whereas you have these extra tools, let's use them, and, and everybody looks at September, and you try to – if you think back to this last September, you're like, oh, I just need three more saves, and you see your closer just kind of sitting there. Uh, and, and the saves are going everywhere. I think Atlanta led the league with 11 different guys with at least one save. Tampa Bay had 10. I think San Diego had – you know, there was a stretch, but I know Atlanta had the most with 11 different guys with saves last year. Yeah, so it's uh... – I mean, like I said, Heisley is uh, is an interesting guy, and I think uh, he will probably ratchet up the ADP uh, out of the range where I'm going to be willing to draft him. But I think, yeah, I think Gallegos is is the guy for now. Uh, so, uh, Wander Franco, your boy, the, your future. Uh, he's going to be on the taxi squad, apparently, uh, in Tampa Bay. What are their chances that he's actually playing games at some point this year? To use one of my favorite Ron Swanson quotes, I got a semi just hearing that. Uh, But what are the chances he plays games this year? I think that's how well the team starts out of the gate. Uh, Obviously, on paper, I like them a lot heading into this season as a strong contender. Uh, In a shorter season, variability comes into play. They could go in. If they get off to a slow start, who knows? But, you know, you think back to 2000. 10 when they won the division they were 36 and 24 through their first 60 games uh and they ended up winning 97 games that year so yeah you know, even then that's you can see what their pace is early but i could see them you know utilizing all the tools in their basket in this short season because getting back to where we were talking about fantasy whoever wins the world series this year they're still going to have a ring they're still going to have a pennant whether it's a 60 game season 162 and you know you can get one, go get one. They can't take it away from you. It's like what if they're not taking it away from the Astros in 17, they're not going to take away a 60 game season either. Uh, so go do what you can. So I can, you know, if I'm trying to project playing time for Franco, uh, I don't know, 50 plate appearances, maybe. And that's on the high end. I just think it's it's cool that they're saying, hey, we may we may use him if we need to. Uh, and he's there. But then, if, then the other piece of that is, you know, we've talked about the, the injury rate in the KBO and how that's been rather high. Uh, and these teams that have depth are built for the short season. Here's an example of a team utilizing their depth. You know, their farm system is highly ranked. Their overall roster has got a lot of uh, has got a lot of depth to it too, more so than it's had in the past. And now Kevin Cash will be able to mix and match and utilize uh, and play around with things. And he's got this tool over here if he wants to use it. Yeah, I I I don't know that he's going to get enough playing time to be anything other than just a waiver wire pickup or a fab when we do know that he's actually going to start playing games. Uh, that being said, uh, to your point about this this uh, team being built for this kind of season, I think I'm going to pick Tampa Bay to win the World Series. Oh, I love you. I mean, and, and Don't this... Don't tell Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> this is a vast uh, turnaround from a few years ago when I said the Giants were a better team than <laughs> the Rays. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Good times. I think I'm... I mean, there is no team that is built as well uh, for this shortened season. A team that uses platoons to their advantage, uh, uses their pitching staff and bullpen... Uh, to their advantage more than the Rays and, you know, expanded rosters, these taxi man squads, 
Like, they're going to be able to optimize everything. I do. I think, I, I'm putting it out right now. The Rays are the 2020 World Series champions. And if the season's canceled, you can't prove me wrong. Yeah, so you, I was making that call at uh, First Pitch Arizona. I even talked, we were talking about, I was like, you know, they're going to win the World Series. Thank you. And I, I wouldn't take any questions. I was just being all political. It's like, nope, no, for, no further questions. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if anybody was playing with, this is how this is how Kevin Cash has managed his club for the past few years. You know, I, was, you know, I was on the podcast last week with Bobby Sylvester. He was talking about, you know, you can use, if you were just a pair G-Man Choi and Jose Martinez at first base and say, that's your first baseman. And you look at production-wise, put that together, and that's like Freddie Freeman, uh, production-wise, uh, and and that's that's the ability they have on the roster uh, to to utilize. And but I still have even with that deep roster. I know we talked in February and March about this. It's like lineup by committee, and that's where and that's the risk kind of when in the shorter season though, because they may you know they may do that and say here's what it is and so they're going to have to use different pieces and i would say that this goes for any club uh, it's like with the yankees with everybody healthy now as much as i'd love mike talkman in february and march don't love him so much now because if everybody's healthy he's the reserve outfielder and that's where that's something else you got to pick you got to factor in too is this whole lineup by committee thing and because in a shorter season you want as much put, you want as much playing time as possible uh and in a, a you know, taking those risks in the bottom of the lineup are even riskier with with 60 games to play. It's one thing over a full season, but taking the projection, okay, this guy's hitting seventh or eighth now, but he could really take off if he does well and move up. Well, he's not going to have a lot of time to do that. Yeah, and that, that's a very good transition because the next one uh, and the last piece of news we're going to talk about is Aaron Judge uh, hitting off of a tee, uh, coming back from every injury. I mean, every injury. <laughs> collapsed lung yeah where did that, I mean, that come came from out of nowhere <laughs> some someone on twitter told me that they did announce that uh when, when the injury happened i i don't really remember that um and so uh yeah i don't either yeah, yeah I don't, I maybe don't either. i missed it but uh that that's scary the fact that he is not ready to go at this point just sends a lot of warning signs you know, I know they've said that, or Aaron Hicks has said that he's going to be ready to go. I don't know that I believe that. I think Talkman, if, if he drops any more than he was already at in, in terms of his average draft position, I'm going to have more shares of, uh, or, or, you know, or Talkman on my team more. I just think that that is, uh, I, I think he's got just a ton of talent, and I don't know that, uh, that a guy like Hicks or Judge can even stay healthy. So, uh, yeah, I'm 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 gonna buy them. What about you? Yeah. So in my in my local AL league, I I kept both Talkman at one dollar and Frazier at five dollars back when that entire Yankees team was hurt. So yeah, I had to turn keepers in uh, for that league. I think March sixth. Uh, so I like I kept both those guys, but I also have Aaron Judge in that league. So it's like so I was hedging my bets. So if, if something does happen here, it's like great. So if Judge gets healthy quickly, yay! If he doesn't, I have some insurance there. Uh, but yeah, again, it's seven weeks in a season or eight weeks, whatever. If he misses a week, that's a good chunk of a season. Uh, and that's where I'm. I, you know, if if we were redrafting right now, I'm not pursuing Judge as I would have if we were drafting in February. Yeah, I'm. I I think I'm taking Judge completely off my list. I mean, I mean, not necessarily completely off, but like I think at this point he'd have to go outside the top 200 picks for me wow. to be even remotely interested. Because like 
if he's injured, like you're gonna have to drop him. Like it's it's not gonna be you're not gonna be able to roster these guys for super long because every week you keep an injured guy on your reserve list, especially in a league like in NFBC leagues where yeah. you don't have an IL. Uh, like that's a tenth of the season or an eighth of the season every week. Like, can you really afford to, you know, to draft a guy that, you know, more than likely is going to start the year on the IL and we have no idea when he's going to come back. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about some, uh, shortened season strategy, shortened season, uh, you know, league, uh, setups, uh, how should leagues adjust their at-bats and innings pitched rules? I believe NFBC is going with 300 innings pitched uh, minimum, and I, I kind of like that one. Yeah, I kind of like that. I, I think one thing I would, because this goes into some uh, dialogue that I was having with uh, the commissioner of my AL league, uh, and getting back to, but with the injury rate in the KBO, is that I think it would be a mistake to simply flat-out prorate your current AB and IP limits and say, okay, we're playing 37% of the season. We're going to take those rates, uh, go to 37% rate, and that's our new cap. I was like, I believe you should add some fudge factor in there and just, you know, 30 to 33%. And I think that's where the, you know, obviously at a thousand inning IP is what, uh, if I believe is what NFBC is, go to 300. So it looks like they went 30%. And that's what I would strongly suggest to anybody who has not yet if you have these things in place and how you're going to adjust them, I think it would be a mistake just to go flat out 37% just because of the injuries, just because of it, the crazy usage that we'll likely see, especially on the pitching side. Uh, 300 innings is a very realistic number trying to go even, uh, you know, I think prorated, uh, you know, th go, trying to get to 370 using the thousand. That could be tough. Uh, when you've got some of these staffs like Atlanta, Snickers already said that he wants to slow play some guys like Soroka in particular coming out of the gate. But then you've got Derek Shelton saying, yeah, my guys are ready to go five now. They've been they've been pitching and practicing. Uh, and so we'll see how guys are going to use this. But I, I can't imagine that these staffs are going to go out and say, OK, guys, you're normally going five or six. Let's go. I mean, the obvious answer is going to be the early. It, it may be like the first couple of weeks in the season where guys are like capped out at 100 pitches. But if, if you have 15 pitchers on your staff. Why would you do that? You know, you don't need to. You don't need to, especially with your, you know, maybe you do it with your Verlanders, you do it with your Grinkies, you do it with some types, but like your third, fourth, fifth guy, <laughs> you know, two Tims through, thank you very much, go take a shower, and we're going to go with the bullpen. Uh, and you look at, you know, I think you guys, you and Paul have talked about San Diego, like San Diego is the perfect place for this. Uh, the, you look at the depth of their bullpen and guys, uh, guys that can go multiple innings like a Pomeranz uh, and like uh, Emilio Pagan getting to Kirby Yates. I mean, they've got a lot of pieces there. And there's another reason why I like Lucchese a ton coming into this year is now you could let him go two times through. And if you, if he only pitched two times through last year, he's got a 340 ERA and a 111 whip. That plays in any league format. The problem is they let him pitch that third time through, and he got blasted. Took his ERA from 340 to 411. Took his whip up to 121. That was it. And my, you know, he gave up uh, his batting average against rose 70 points, and he did that. They don't need to do that with him this year. And I'm really curious how San Diego utilizes him this year with this new, with the shortened season, with the new bullpen, to see if they try to overstretch him like they did last year. And anybody who owned a guy last year, you're like, oh my god, why'd they leave him out yet again? Uh, but I, I, you know, these teams that have depth in the bullpen, the Yankees, the Rays, the Padres, I'm really curious to see how they use their pitchers this year. Yeah, I, I'm actually kind of in favor of just eliminating minimums this year. It's, that too. 
<laughs> I mean, it, you know, I understand, like, for a league like NFBC, uh, that's going to have a lot of high-stakes drafters uh, uh, not wanting to completely eliminate. Uh, so, uh, because, you know, some people will just draft a team of relievers and, and just punt on, you know, try to, you know, somewhat punt on wins wins and strikeouts uh, and just rack up, you know, uh, saves and uh, kind of the elite ratios. Uh, that being said, like, especially if you're in a league that's already drafted, just eliminate the minimums. I mean, nobody's going to change their strategy, uh, you know, because they've already drafted based on the fact that we're now having these screwy, uh, <laughs> screwy situations. Uh, and I, I just, you know, I think that's what I'm going to do for the Barf League. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. TGFBI is going to follow the uh, the minimums set by, by NFBC. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would actually just be in favor of just eliminating minimums. Don't risk your league being decided because someone missed a minimum in this crazy ass season. Exactly. I mean, so a couple things there is it's one, I understand if, if like none of my leagues are redrafted, we're all, everything's being kept the same. So it's like you drafted against a certain thing in March and I, I understand, or February, March, I understand people have been like, look, I drafted against one set of rules. You can't go change everything. Um, I agree to a point, uh, you know, this one, I, this one, I agree with you. It's like, get rid of it because you couldn't, you shouldn't have, you know, if somebody falls five innings short, it's like, come on, really? It's like, put it in. Cause like, I know in my, in my home league, if you don't hit that, if you don't hit that threshold, you fall to the bottom of that category. It's like, it, you could be, you could be second, but then, so it's like, if somebody falls five innings short, and then so you go from third to t- uh, 11th or 12th and that moves everybody else up. And then all of a sudden somebody wins a league because I didn't do something for five. It's like they won because somebody else. And, uh, but if MLB can experiment, if you look at all the things MLB is doing right now, you know, the runner on second after at, in extra innings. But, you know, universal DH finally I and mean, things like this, the expanded rosters, the 30 the 28 to 26. If there is anything you and your league mates have been discussing, like, hey, we should try this. This is the season to do it. And see how it plays out. I mean, I know in my my local NL league, up until last year, we were a daily league. Then uh, two years ago, we threw in quality starts to replace wins and OBP to replace batting average. Well, now in this shortened season, there's talk about going back to the daily league for this year uh, and possibly you know going back in, in perpetuity. But then going uh, bringing wins back because quality starts are going to be like the unicorn this year. It's going to be tough to see guys go in six innings. So that's that's part of the conversation too. But you should have an open conversation in your league about things and say, hey, let's see what else is on the table. Maybe you do add, go to a 25-man roster if you want to, instead of the traditional 23. Well, I argue you should do that anyhow. But, you know, doing some things like that, or if you're in a weekly, uh, you're in a weekly league, Maybe go twice weekly. Say so you could turn in lineups on Thursdays and Sundays. And that way it's not stuck in a weekly. And if somebody hits, you're like, oh, great. Let, try, experiment. You've got a 60-game season. It's going to be unusual. Try some things out. And maybe you like it. Uh, I, I do feel bad for the – I don't even play this format, but I don't even know how head-to-head and fantasy playoffs, how that's going to work in this short season. I got asked that question this morning on the radio spot, and I was like, I don't even play that format, but I pity those fools. Uh, I just know how you're going to set that up. I think you what you should institute, and this is what I've been advocating for head-to-head leagues, is one play in all play system where you're you're playing each every team in the league every week. So that way, like in oh, un- that's interesting. in unbalanced schedule, I do it in a fantasy football. It's actually a, a three sport league, but the the baseball's roto. But in the fantasy f- uh, football portion of it, we play every single team every single week. 
and so, you know, you can go, you know, in 14 team league, you can go 13 and 0, you can go 0 and 13 every week. And it just takes out some of the variance of, oh, I was the third highest scoring team this week, but I went up against the, you know, the top scoring team. Uh, so I, I think, you know, that's the one way to kind of work this season and then just eliminate playoffs. Yeah, if you win the season, you win the league. <laughs> like that's, uh, you know, especially you know, we have no idea what the end of the season is going to look like if we get an end of the season. Uh, yeah, just eliminate the playoffs, play all play, and then you can go back to whatever you uh, like for next season. That's a really good idea. I like those because again, it puts it. It's taking advantage of what you have of the season rather than trying to say, okay, here's a three game series or, or try to set it up again. I don't play this format, uh, but what you've presented is a good one. It's just like here, you know, you, everybody's had their fair shot against everybody else. This is what it has been at the end of the season. Ta-da. And maybe you find out that, you know, at the end of the season you go, wow, I really like this format. You know, maybe next year we're going to keep the all play, the all play uh, format, or maybe next year we're going to lower the innings pitch during the at bat rules, you know. Uh, but you're right. This is the year to experiment uh, if you're going to play it out. So wh- why not just try a couple different things? Make sure you know, everybody has, you know, league approval and things like that. Don't just go instituting these things blindly in your leagues. Make sure, you know, everybody's on board. But yeah, I, I think this is a, a good time to try different things. Uh, speaking of trying different things, uh, what should the in-season eligibility rules be for this year and obviously for next year? Because there are going to be guys who don't get 20 games at certain positions. I think three games is a nice easy, uh, for in-season, I think three games is a nice easy rule. I don't, I think my, my local AL is a one game and I, you know, I hate it, but it's like, I'm not going to complain if, if one of my outfielders gains second base eligibility or somebody, you know, one of these you don't get the surprise catcher thing as much anymore, but uh, you know, but the way back when when Kirby Puckett played the game at second, the inning at second base, you're like, yeah, uh, I'm dating myself, but you know, some things like that, taking advantage of those. But I think three games is a nice even number to, to play around. But in season, I think I think you got to take it down to ten games. I know it's usually twenty, but t- even ten is going to be a tough threshold to get. Uh, it, it's it's something you know, you and I have always. Uh, advocated for those types of players at draft season, especially in your single league formats. And it would honestly impact next year's drafts. You go in there and say, okay, there are like eight dudes that qualify at multiple, multiple positions. Like what the hell am I going to do? Uh, so it's, you also don't want the op. Away. You also don't want the opposite next year and like drop it down to five games and be like every player is, you know, eligible oh, yeah, in every position. So you got to find a balance. You got to find a balance. And I think if you're, if you're doing 20 games or over a full season, uh, then I would say 10 games over a 60 game season should get you there. But then possibly you do something. It, it doesn't. And then you look. Then you look at the numbers. You sit down as a league and you look at the numbers in the offseason and say, okay, um, this is this is where things are. Uh, this is where things have historically been. You can go back and look and say, okay, in the in the 2020 draft back in March, just randomly making up some numbers, we have 54 guys that were multiple uh, position eligible. If we leave things the way they are for our 2021 draft, we have 13. Now let's look at something. Let's maybe we lower for this season only. We lower that limit. We, you know, we. I know we said ten games, but maybe that was too punitive. If we take it to eight games, that then raises the pool from thirteen to forty. Okay, yeah, that's closer to that's closer. So you should set something now, but also include something in your language to go back and look at it. Because even if you set, let's say you set eight games now, and we only get a forty-five game season, then what are you going to do? 
So you should have something in your in your constitution to say it's kind of like your job description when it says other duties is assigned and when your boss gives you something you're like what the hell and they cut they point to that clause. It's like in this case, put something in your constitution that gives you the flexibility to revisit 2020 exceptions based on the final numbers. Yeah, I, I would even say don't even set a number right now for next year. Just wait. Wait and see where it comes out, and you as a league should be able to uh, come up with a pretty reasonable solution. Uh, and, you know, there'll be a lot of talk, you know, a lot of people writing about this going into the 2021 season. So you, you'll, you'll get a lot of smart people coming up with ideas for leagues. So I would say, you know, drop the in season for this year down to three or four games. Uh, so that way people, I think Tout Wars dropped it to four, I want to say. Uh, you know, so that way people are able to, you know, pick up those eligibilities in, in, uh, in this season. But just table it for 2021, and, and let's just hope to make it through 2020. Yeah, uh, have your winter meeting this year. Do it virtually, most mm -hmm. likely. But you got to have it to talk these things out. Don't wait. Don't wait until the spring. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. once things are wrapped up, try to get something set down and talk through these things, and that way people can plan through their off season. And, and don't wait and send out some poll on your on your league website, and half the people don't answer it. It's like get it started as soon as the season ends. When, when we have a champion or whatever they decide to do with the season, then start your planning uh, or your talking and let everybody plan from the same base rather than getting to February and trying to say, oh, well, that's time to talk. Too late. People are trying to do their research. Yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, teams that we may be avoiding in terms of drafting right now. You know, we talked about the Rays being one of those teams that really optimizes uh, their usage of their position players and, and their pitchers uh, as well. Is there a team like the Rays where you go, you know, I might draft Glass now, I might draft uh, Austin Meadows, but like now the the rest of the team is completely off, you know, my board or, or dropping huge down my board because I'm just afraid of the way that my, you know, that team is going to platoon or use their pitchers. Hey, I but that's the same stance I have with Tampa Bay back before, back when we were drafting for a full season. So honestly, it hasn't moved the needle for me much. Uh, it just has more strength in that position for me. But when you look at, honestly, it would be nice to have the schedule to take a look at these things because I know Derek Carty was on Twitter this morning. He, you know, he's trying to run his bat projections and he's waiting for that data, and and, and we all are. I mean, because right now we know that we're, you know, that the clubs are going to play their division rivals, uh, the division opponents eight times. So there's 40 games right there, or 32. Yeah, 32. Eight times four. Yeah, 32. Uh, so there's those games. And then they're supposed to do their natural interleague rivals, which God, I can't believe they're doing that again. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing those again. So there's there's 38. There's 38 of your 60 games. And so um, like we were talking about the Padres and how they may use their pitching staff later. And we know who they're going to play in their division with the you know Dodgers obviously going to be a very tough matchup. Uh, and the Rockies and the uh, Giants will be a nice layup for them. Uh, Arizona, who knows? Uh, but then their, their natural rival, Seattle. It's like, ooh, boy, that could be fun because that lineup's not very good. Uh, and so maybe you give a bump up to the Padres uh, because with that deep bullpen and if and if they utilize leverage that bullpen and, and minimize the exposure of some of their starting pitchers, that could get fun. And so like for that's that's one team I'm interested in based off just the basic level of the schedule. Uh, and then conversely, like Milwaukee, uh, as much as I love playing the wild cards of Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns this year, Tough, tough divisional schedule, and then they have the Twins as their interleague rival. So there's six games against that softball lineup. 
makes it tough to play some of those wild cards as much as you like, you know, the potential is like, yeah, that could be tough. They also get the Tigers and the Royals, though, too. So it's like yeah, it's the just twin really matchup like, play. Yeah, the, I mean, the Twins obviously are a beast team, beast lineup. But, like, I'm not scared of any of the other lineups. In I mean, I guess you can make an argument if Chicago, uh, you know, young guys, you know, really come out hitting hard. You want to avoid yes. them a little bit. But, I mean, are you really afraid of Cleveland's lineup? Are you really afraid of... Detroit's lineup at all, or Kansas City's lineup at all? No, I'm targeting those uh, in NL Central pitchers and the AL Central pitchers uh, quite a bit. The, those guys bumped up my ranks uh, in, in those divisions. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried about that at all. I just, I just, I'm, I'm really looking at more like tiebreaker. If you are redrafting, you know, something to keep in mind. It's like you know now that the Cleveland, as much as people like Cleveland pitchers, they're not, they have to play Cincinnati as, as six games on top of who they are already play. And like you mentioned, the White Sox, I do like that lineup quite a bit. I think it can inflict some damage if everything goes well for them. But you look at that Reds lineup as well too, and then they could be a problem matchup. Too. So it's just I want to see what the final schedule looks like, how they're going to do things. At least uh, I would say with certainty that they're going to minimize the travel. Like you're not going to have Miami flying to Seattle. You know, it's going to be you're staying in your division. So travel shouldn't be as much of a wear and tear um, as it can be because every team's got to make two West Coast swings every year. Or the East Coast goes to the West and they've got to make these giant swings and it can grind on you when you when you have those 10, 12 uh, day road trips. Uh, I, if they are doing, if they are going to do that, at least they'll be regionalized this year. But I, I just want to see what the final schedule looks like. It's kind of uh, unbelievable. We don't have one yet, uh, given that it's been what a full week since they announced when the season. They could have had some models in play if if they if they were stalling all along to get the sixty game season they wanted. You'd think they'd have this in play, right? Well, here's the thing: they do have it. Where they're just not releasing it. Uh, I think it was Jason Stark on Twitter, uh, and I could be wrong, so I, I apologize if I'm, I'm misattributing this to, to him, uh, but I believe it was Jason Stark on Twitter said that uh, like Major League Baseball, with not being able to sell tickets, has no incentive to release the schedule early. This is true. Because people aren't going to go out and go, oh, I want to go buy a ticket for July 28th. Like, yeah. You know, uh, it's, everything's going to be on TV. So, like, they can take their sweet time and they may. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, as long got, as they tell the networks and tell the teams, this is what you got to do. And they can keep it quiet from the rest of us and say, nobody leaks it. Uh, yeah, it stays quiet. But then you got the other factors. Like, I know that they were. One of the things I read this morning, I think maybe Steve Gardner was mentioning, is they, re, you know, they're waiting for teams to give them feedback about conditions. Like Milwaukee, if they have the Democratic convention, it's in Milwaukee and it's in the middle of August, right? And so, you know, they hotel rooms are already gone in that city uh, to begin with. Uh, so, how would you be able to host uh, the visiting team in Milwaukee if hotel rooms are gone? Uh, again, that's even assuming they have a convention in August, which I don't think they will. Uh, so yeah, that's where that's one factor that comes into play. And so you can see some of those things, uh, you know, playing out. Maybe that's what they're waiting for to say, OK, we've got everything. Everything's good. Uh, OK, let's go ahead and announce the schedule. But it is uh, it's just odd that they haven't we don't have any kind of definitive say, hey, here, I mean, Milwaukee. Yeah, that's a, that's a known but I, I don't think there's anything else out there that's that's driving the secrecy behind it at this point, other than Toronto. I guess Toronto is waiting for their exception because basically on, on their travel ban, nobody can go there. So it's, well, and, uh, and uh, the mayor of Toronto said no sports for the rest of the year. Yeah, so that too. They, and they've so got to the get permission. Plan, the backup plan is them playing at Tropicana Field. 
Interesting. Okay. I didn't know if they were going to play it like <laughs> Jupiter or something like that, but no, the backup. Well, I mean, they Dunedin's their camp, but Dunedin's, you know, in, in the middle of cesspool central right now, when you look at all the data, I mean, they already had minor leaguers, uh, uh, test positive. Uh, but they were, as far as I read it, the backup plans for them to play a Tropicana field. That way you don't have to worry about weather delays, which is the other thing. I don't know how they're going to deal with this. Uh, because you know it never rains in the summer anywhere in this country, right? Nope. <laughs> We're gonna see a lot of double double headers come September. It's just gonna oh. it's just gonna happen. So yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, let's talk. Oh, one other team I wanted to mention uh, is uh, and this this kind of news came out after my ranks were. Uh, unfortunately released because uh, I was like, well, if they're not going to release the schedule, then might as well just, you know, release my ranks as is and then I'll, I'll readjust as they release the schedule. Uh, well, it sounds like the Los Angeles Angels are going to do a six-man rotation uh, and that Shohei Otani will not pitch two days in a week. So he, he, if you need to downgrade guys like Andrew Heaney or Dylan Bundy or Patrick Sandoval or Shohei Otani because they're not going to see uh, very many to start weeks do that accordingly. And I will likely drop, uh, all of those guys down a few spots. It's not going to be huge, but, but a few spots. Yeah. It's going to hurt my talent wars team. Heaney's right there in my rotation. Yeah. Uh, he's part of, Oh, who do I have in that one? That's Maeda, Montgomery, Morton, Bassett. Uh, no, I take it wrong. He's in my labor one. Yeah, he needs in my labor roster, so he's one of the pitchers I was leaning on. So I'm gonna have to make a, you know, then I'm gonna need Tarek Skubal to come up and just dominate for the Tigers. Yeah, that, Lewis Thorpe. Those are my pitching backups. Well, <laughs> I think Thorpe is uh, a good shot, but I don't think Skubal's seen the majors this year. But uh, <laughs> might want to just move on from him and go grab somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, but to that point though, it's like. With Otani, when exactly was his surgery when he had his surgery, though? Because, I mean, I see that, they, yeah, maybe he pitches, but how much is he going to pitch when he when he does pitch? That's uh, what I was trying to remember. I want to say when he had his when he had his Tommy John surgery. All right, so we have, first story here is his story. His surgery was successful because every surgery is always successful. It's a recovery. It's a problem. Oh, that's October 1st, 2018. Yeah, I mean, he, he so we are, did it a yeah, while we're ago. The, we're almost two full years. So, again, if we were redrafting, I'm still out. But if the Angels want to use them like this, let's, you know, we'll see where it goes. But uh, if we were if we were redrafting, I'm still pessimistic based on my 24-month 24, 24 rule on being interested in them being on my team. Yeah, I think the combination of, of the hitting, to me, still makes him very, very interesting. So, uh, yeah. I'm still... Uh, uh, you know, especially if he was just a hitter, I think we would be talking about him as a top 50 pick. Uh, and, he's, yeah, I agree. He's going yeah, outside, he's still going outside the top 100. Yeah, hitting special, I mean, pitching-wise, if he's if they're going to go with the six-man rotation, like, he's the, he's the Johnny bullpen day where I could see them saying, give us nine to 12 hitters. Come in and just do your thing. All right, now we're gonna get into the we're gonna get into the bullpen and, and roll through. We're gonna let Felix Pena pitch. We're gonna let Andres. Maybe Andres is the piggyback to uh, Otani because Andres we know can soak up multiple innings. And then you know you let Justin Anderson come in and fling some, uh, and you know get to they've got they've got a pretty decent bullpen. I, I like it. I don't love it. I like it. Uh, but maybe that's how they end up using him uh, to this point, rather than saying okay, he's gonna go out there and do you know, eighteen to twenty one batters. I. Personally, I don't see it. All right. Uh, let's talk about uh, individual categories, uh, especially the the ones that are scarce or have 
high uh, variance um, and how we're going to attack them in drafts in a shortened season. Do you have any more drafts, by the way, or are you done? I do not. Oh, wow. No, I don't have any. Less, um, oh, I take that back. I've got a charity one on Wednesday with Pitcher List. Oh, nice. I got something that they reached out to. So I got something on Wednesday. Uh, so I do have one draft. Uh, so, I, yeah, we can have this conversation. So I do have another draft to do. <laughs> it's not redrafting anything, though. It's, it's starting over. Okay, so some people tend to attack stolen bases uh, kind of in the, you know, going and getting the rabbits. Going the guys who are going to steal you a bunch of bags. You don't have to worry about drafting them later or paying up for them later. Uh, and then some people want to just kind of accumulate them through the draft. How is your strategy changing, or is it changing, based on this shortened season? I don't think I'm going to change it. I have been, if I was looking back, that was one of the things I was doing this morning as I was putting together that Google sheet. Like, hey, how did I put my teams together? Uh, and for the most part, it was a balanced approach. But then I look at my local NL League where I ended up with both Jared Dyson and Ender Inciarte. Uh, and that's clearly one that I didn't balance it out. That was clearly one that I was chasing some things. But that's a keeper league, too. So the, the available pool was different. Uh, but in all reset leagues, it was really balanced. And then, oh, yeah, go draft Miles Straw at the end of the draft. Because uh, I have him as a middle infielder on uh, three different AL teams uh, with that. And so that's a, obviously a speed speculation there. But I tend to balance, you know, spread the risk, but then take a dart towards the end of the draft that could play out. And that's how I've, uh, that's how I've attacked it. And that's how I'll probably still attack it on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, Bubba uh, Entrican, who who's actually going to be on the pod next week with me, because uh, you will be uh, on vacation. Uh, he tweeted out, I think it was Steamer's projections, which had been updated, only had six players who were projected to steal more than double-digit bases um, in 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 this shortened season. Uh, it's going to mean that, for me, I'm definitely going to be targeting guys earlier, uh, or at least a little bit earlier, and... I, Everybody knows I like Malik Smith. I like the Rabbits. Uh, you just have to plan for it. I don't think that changes. Uh, you know, the hard part is, you know, we just don't know if certain guys are going to be pushed on the base paths uh, this year. If teams are going to be like, we do not want to risk injury because it's such a mm -hmm. shortened season. Uh, and losing a guy, you know, for two weeks is, you know, <clears throat> ostensibly a quarter of the year. Uh, you know, you got to put them on the IL. So, uh, I, I am definitely going to be targeting guys, uh, early like Trey Turner, uh, you know, that I think that will see a lot of bases and I'm going to have no problem this year, especially this year, taking those rabbits. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe a majority of the injuries in the KBO have been lower half injuries and have been these leg injuries. Uh, and so that could, that could be weighing in people's heads. It's like, you know, Let's. We, they may not be as aggressive uh, on their on their attempts or with the running game. So it'll be it'll be definitely curious to watch. And maybe with that thirty man roster early on, it's like all right, pinch runner. Oh, you know, you weren't even going to be in our twenty six man roster, but you're here thirty. I'll use you while you're here. Okay, twenty eight man cut. Thanks for you know, thanks for your efforts. You're now down. Uh, but maybe early on, it'll be some specialist. Uh, you know, like I think Terrence Gore is still hanging around in Dodger camp, and obviously. Tim LaCastro and his super sprint speed, you know, that stuff's available, uh, you know, with the Rays, maybe that's Randy or Rosarena uh, or uh, Lucius Fox, some guys, speed guys that come to mind that weren't, uh, that weren't going to be on the 26 man roster, but you could see some guys like that early. So I would say if you're going to take those chances, you know, get those guys and, but make sure you've got a replacement in the reserves. If you take, you know, it may be worth, if you're drafting now to reach for one of those guys, 
but make sure you've got something in the reserve to replace them or be willing to take them higher in the reserve round because they're not going to last long. I could see a lot of people taking that first round in the reserves and making that play for that speedster to to see what happens early on uh, because if you can get out to a, you know, pun intended, a quick running start, you may be able to protect what you have. Yeah. A guy like Gerard Dyson's becomes much more interesting because, I mean, the added DH in Pittsburgh gives him – uh, you know, more roster, <clears throat> more roster time. And then, you know, he's going to steal. Like it's just, they're on a team that doesn't care. He's old anyways. They're just going to let him run. So, it, it, but again, you got to balance out those other categories. And one of those categories that I've heard people uh, and seen articles, people talking about not worrying about as much is batting average. And I'm usually the guy that says punt batting average. But I don't know that that's a great strategy, and I've maintained while uh, I do like to tend to punt batting average, like don't do it to like an extreme because this is the year like you can't afford Miguel Sano to hit 200 on your team and then roster another guy that might hit 200 just because of the variance. It's just gonna sink you. So where are you at on batting average? You know, I was having this. I was having this thought this morning, trying as I was looking through the uh, the rundown about where things are. And honestly, I was trying, I remember two years ago in my, in my home league, there was a, a guy, a, two guys finished tied for first and the tiebreaker was who was leading in the most categories. And this one guy lost because uh, Tanaka did not pitch. The Yankees said he was going to pitch one more time. Well, he didn't pitch. And so if he needed, if he had one more strikeout, he would have won the league. Oh he would have won it. Would have won it by so one strikeout. It's like an over a full season, one strikeout decided the season. Well, in a sixty-game season, it, I don't think it's going to be the counting categories that's going to cost. It's going to be these ratio categories, and batting average could be that one. And like usually, you know, you're heading into the final day of the season, and there may be like one or two. I could see something in a short season where there are four teams that could win the league on the final day of the season, and it's going to be somebody having a, a something that should have been an error ruled as a hit, and they're going to win the league based on that decimal point uh, type of thing and batting average but i'm really going to be curious because most of the time in leagues you know by the final week of the season who's going to win the league maybe you've got there's an outside chance but when you look at hell when you look at the 60 game playoff odds here at fan and the orioles have a tenth of a percent of a chance to go to the playoffs <laughs> anything is possible so that that's really going to be curious but i I would not be punting. Uh, I don't know if I could punt anything in a six. You got to be able to play in some capacity because you know, the the count the runs and RBIs. Because I saw something that that Gray Albright wrote up over at Rasball talk, talking about focusing on uh, OBP runs and RBIs and letting the rest of it play out. But you in order to get on base, unless you've got the high walk rate, you got to hit for some kind of average. And so that's where. Yeah, maybe you look at my labor AL team. You're like, well, Jason, you've got Joey Gallo on that team, and you've got Renato Nunez on that team. It, it looks like you're punting batting average. Wasn't intentional. Uh, you know, I went for a lot of power dudes. I also have Chris Davis on that team and CJ Crone and different things. So it's I never go into the draft with the intention of punting batting average. In uh, this year, like I can tell you, Wednesday, I'm not going to be doing that. Yeah, I do often go into drafts trying to punt batting average. Uh, Even <laughs> yeah, this year was not a year that I did that a ton, uh, largely because I, the majority of my redraft leagues uh, outside of, uh, you know, Tout Wars and, and Labor um, are, 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 are NFBC leagues, and they have, you know, the overall component, you can't do that 
uh, quite as much. I, I still devalue, but like now it's like that is I'm going the opposite direction. Like I, I, I want some guys that I feel like are going to give me some batting average safety and not going after a ton of those guys that have a huge amount of variance uh, just because you know, people are like, well, shoot for the upside, shoot for the upside. Like you, you still understand, like there's there, the downside and you load up your team with that. The chance that you're going to hit all of them is like winning the lottery. It's just not going to happen. So like, just don't, don't, don't do that people. And like, same with, uh, you know, I didn't put the, you know, ERA and whip on the, uh, uh on the, the rundown for us. But I think mm-hmm. the same thing still applies. Like, uh, I think someone tweeted yesterday, and I'm blank. I think it was Jeff Erickson. Like the difference between someone with like a three seven ERA and a four five ERA this year is going to be two earned runs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so. Like, do you really want to roster a guy like uh, Denelson Lamette? Yeah, he's going to get you the strikeouts, but like one bad outing ruins his season and yours. It's on the man. It's it, honestly your seasons depend on the real baseball managers this year and how they're going to utilize these guys. And I would say one more point about batting average is again I don't I don't go into a, into a draft with the intention of punting it, but I will let projected batting average influence picks. Uh, like I'll go back and look at uh, my at my AL Tout Wars team. There was a point in that auction where I'm looking. I'm like, okay, I like what I've done here, but man, this batting average is not looking good. So then two of my next picks, uh, the purchases were Michael Brantley and Nick Madrigal. Now, I like Madrigal a lot more now that in the short, he's likely just going to make the roster. There was uncertainty even back then, but like I went out and found some guys that I knew could elevate my batting average because I started out with J.D. Martinez. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm here. And then I started rostering. You know, Grandel, great OBP, but uh, actually touts in that, tout is an OBP league. Uh, that's the bad example. There's another league where I ended up with the same guy. I ended up with Brantley again, uh, local AL league. I ended up with Brantley again, the batting average on that team. Uh, so, like, it's that point of the draft where, okay, where am I at? I'm going to go ahead and go grab this guy. Uh, and so that's where I will look at things in draft, but I don't ever go into it saying, punting this category, don't care about it. What about wins? Like, I think, you know, and, and we can th- talk about quality starts too, because I, I think quality starts leagues, if you haven't drafted them, just switch back over to wins, because I think it's going to be, yeah. it, the shortened season yes. is going to be disastrous for uh, for quality starts. Uh, but I think wins are going to be very difficult as well. So, like, are you going to go after the Yarboroughs and the the, the Chirinos, uh, the guys that are, you know, middle relievers or coming in after openers? Um, or are you going to kind of stick to your original strategies? Uh, so some, so I would leverage, I would look at what I did in the triple threat drafts uh, because those we drafted after we knew the season was going to be at least halved. Right. Uh, so I was able to look at something. So if I look at my mixed league in, in that, my my rotation is Hung Jin Ryu, Luke Weaver, Jose Quintana, Pablo Lopez, then Seth Lugo, Josh Hader, Ken Giles, Edwin Diaz and Ryan Presley. So I was clearly saying, you know what, if I get wins out of those other guys, great. But these other guys who could work one plus innings, especially a Lugo, especially a Presley, you know, these guys can get the strikeouts and the ratios. Maybe they can get a late inning leverage win out of it. But in that particular case, I was going for I'm going to get strikeouts and I'm going to get ratios and see where everything else falls. Uh, and that's how I attacked that particular. But that was that was the latest one that I did uh, where I made that 
decision. I'm going with five relievers because we talked about this earlier. It's like in a shortened season, one stink bomb. I mean, you earlier mentioned, you know, the difference between a 340 and 370 is two earned runs. Well, one stink bomb of an outing could just blow up your staff. And yeah, you're taking the you're taking the risk with some of these relievers. If Josh Hader goes out there and has one of those playoff outings like he did uh, towards the end, you know, that could be tough. But at the same time, at the I'd rather take my chances on a multi-inning reliever like Lugo. I, I took Lugo over some other starting pitchers just because of what he's capable of. And I know he got off to a slow start last year, and that's the risk I'm running. But if, if these guys all play out to their potential, those five relievers could give me a really nice base of, of – ERA and whip that in case Lopez and Quintana Weaver and Ryu don't perform uh, or I'm streaming in. I also have John Gray, Trent Thornton and Vince Velasquez as my reserve. So I'm playing matchups the entire time with those with the with the staffs and hoping that I can get what I what I can out of that uh, out of those five relievers. So that's the approach that I would suggest taking now is you can't take your chances on those other pitchers, especially if you have a club that does that, especially if it's with a club who has not shown a propensity to manage those pitchers appropriately. Okay. And I just wanted to clarify uh, what Jeff Erickson did say. He was talking about, uh, Oh God, no, no, I can't. Uh, Alex young, who, who he was projecting for 25 innings this year. And he said the difference between two earned runs this year for, for him is a difference of a three nine six ERA and a four six eight ERA. Oh, okay. So obviously, guys who aren't going to be getting a ton of innings, it impacts them quite a bit more. But I think the point still stays the same. These guys that are going to be getting <laughs> that are you know may only get ninety innings, or you know, I mean, I mean, because I, I just pulled up, or not even ninety innings. I mean, Garrett Cole is projected by Steamer to have seventy five innings. So like. You know, these guys are going to get seven, you know, if they have one or two bad outings, the, the, their season's a sunk. The wins is going to be a really interesting category because, again, if you go and look over at Steamer's projections, like, the most amount of wins a player six. has is six. <laughs> like, six. Like, so, like, that is a category that is going to have a lot more variance <laughs> than we've ever seen in a season uh, because we're talking, like, the difference between three and six wins. Like, that's going to be huge. Well, Cole's the only guy projected over 100 strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 absolutely insane. And uh, I think it was uh, Vlad uh, Sedler tweeted out. Actually, I do. I know it was Vlad, Vlad Sedler. He goes updated player projection or uh, projections for for Jacob Degrom, and he was you know whatever it was like ninety something strikeouts, uh, you know uh, two point eight nine ERA and negative three wins. <laughs> well, you, then you look at saves. The highest projected is is Chapman and Jansen at thirteen each. Yeah. That's uh, that's thirteen of sixty games. So if, like you're trying to project, you're, you're looking to save. They're right now. They're basically saying that the two best closers in in, in projection wise are saving roughly eighteen percent of the games. This is you know, and uh, you are just nailing the transitions today because saves is the next one we're talking about. And I've seen so many uh, variety of opinions uh, on what to do with closers, whether people should be pushing them up or putting or pushing them down. Uh, cause there could be more guys ever getting saves, uh, after a year like last year where a ton of guys got saves. I've been a huge proponent of I'm pushing up the guys I feel comfortable with. So the guys I feel like are holding on to the position, uh, the closing position, move them up quite a bit 
And then I don't want to even deal with the other guys. Like, I'm going to make sure I leave my main event drafts this year with guys that I feel comfortable with holding on to those roles. Yeah, I would agree. I would say, you know, if you're a guy who typically, you know, guy or gal rather, uh, fades, like, ah, I'll go get, I'll go get. I'm sorry, you got to have one. You got to have somebody on your staff that can do, that can do the job. Uh, and then from there, you can, you know, hedge your bets. Like, I, you know, again, using my examples and AL Labor, I've got Hansel Robles as my primary. Then I've got Joe Jimenez. And then I you know, fl- took a flyer on Andrew Kittredge picking up some. And then my, in my Tout AL, I have, uh, who do I have in that one as a closer? I, I don't, and that's a mistake. You know, I got Jose Leclerc. That's my guy. And I'm not a million, I'm not very confident there, but I didn't like prices. I also bought Matt McGill and I bought Chad Green. You know, so that in that example, then my uh, other NL one, I bought Hector Neris, Sean Doolittle. And then the other one, I ended up with Aaron Bummer, Matt Barnes. And Roberto Osuna, and so like that's that was my triple threat. That was, and that's a seven-man pitching staff, by the way, in that league. But that's an example of get the guy that you know then get the job done, and then use some other guys who might get there. But I don't know if you could take a chance and say, okay, I'm going to take three guys that are in setup roles, and if nothing ever happens, I do I, I do agree that you know some guys are going to be on a shorter leash, and they they may be out after a third blown save. But you can't populate. You can't put your entire save strategy on that happening with three guys. Yeah, and here's the thing: if a guy like Matt Barnes, who I think is a really, really good example of someone who would it surprise me if he grabs the job at some point? Uh, it wouldn't, you know. But if let's say he comes out of week one and he has two saves, he's going for eight hundred to nine hundred and fifty dollars in fab. Oh, no doubt. No and, doubt. <laughs> like, do you want to be the person having to blow your entire load of, fla- of fab uh, on one guy in week two? Because I, I don't want to be that guy. So, like, I'm like, I'm not going to be uh, uh, I'm not going to be putting myself in that position where uh, where I might end up having to, you know, spend. 90% of my fab on one player because uh, I didn't leave the draft with two or three locked in closers. Yeah. I mean, saves are always on the waiver wire. Yeah. Let I mean, let's let, let, we can agree on that, but then you, again, you look at a draft where there's six reserve spots. There's a good chance that that guy that just became closer is already on somebody's bench. And so now you're looking at somebody else like, Oh wow. Surprise. This guy, I would use Pagan last year. Pagan wasn't drafted in just about every format and he didn't end up leading uh, Tampa Bay in saves, but you, you would have to pay for him uh, in, in this, in a shortened season you know, you have to pay quickly if you want to get some, if you want to get the, the most leverage out of that. I can see people blowing through fab early. If something happens, I'm just going to throw the money on here, throw the money on here and see what happens um, with this. But yeah, I, I don't want to have to leverage. I don't want to have to blow a chunk, big chunk of my money on saves. And then I have other issues that come up and I'm like, I've got no money to pay for them. And all of a sudden I'm throwing in a part timer to replace a full timer because I blew my money on two weeks of saves. Mm hmm. And I mean, yeah, you just don't want to. You just don't want to be the guy chasing them, especially because in a shortened season, there's not as much time to find those guys like Hendricks. Teams won't be able to find those guys like uh, Liam Hendricks quite as easily, quite as quickly. Uh, and I, I could definitely see added ros- or expanded rosters leading to more just kind of playing the hot hand or using matchups. And I just don't want to deal with that. Well, and the other piece of this is a lot of what happens with saves is teams trade away their closer. Well, in this year, 
where you could legitimately have 20 teams in playoff contention mm -hmm. at the August 31st trade deadline, how many jobs are realistically going to open up? I mean, you could look at Kansas City and say, okay, they should trade Ian Kennedy. Okay, then maybe that opens up that job. Um, you know, and maybe that guy gets two saves in September. Who knows? But you're you're going to have more teams in contention uh, in that abbreviated season, and so there may not be as many jobs that open up either. Uh, and so if that's something you're banking on, like oh, this guy's in a final year, like Ken Giles. Oh, he's in that final year. Of course, he's going to get traded. Is he? You know, you look at that Toronto lineup, the, that Toronto lineup, and could they potentially? hang around with expanded playoffs absolutely and so that's uh, that's the other factor i see is we may just see a lot of i mean shoot these guys right now they could do any transaction they wanted to and right now they're just releasing guys you know yasiel puig still doesn't have a job anybody could sign him right now somebody should please be an al team my top four <laughs> people thank you later but go sign him but these guys even they have the ability to do something right now and they're not they can make trades right now and they're not and i would argue you know, yeah, I know the Orioles have one-tenth of one percent, but I would argue some of these rebuilding teams, get out there and trade right now. <laughs> Do something right now and, and maximize your return. Because if I'm an other team, like if I'm the Dodgers and I need something, I'm going to wait until the last possible second. And then say, okay, here, this is what I'll give you. And you're like, great. Do I get something or do I get absolutely nothing for this guy? But, I mean, and to that point, like, the bad teams, the teams like the Orioles and the Giants and the Tigers that we know are still not going to be competing whatsoever. Like, who who do they have out of their bullpens to trade? I mean, other than the Royals trading Ian Kennedy, which I, I agree they should do. Like, like who? Like, do you really care about anybody in the back end of that Orioles uh, bullpen? Do you really care about anybody in the back end of that Giants bullpen? Do you care about anybody in the back end of the Mariners bullpen or the Pirates? Bull you don't like they they suck like so like I don't think that movement is going to happen. Well, you get you, you know, the Orioles get rid of Michael Givens. And, okay, Hunter Harvey, it's your job. Okay, yeah, that that's actually intriguing. That one intrigues me a bit. But then you look at you know obviously like Seattle. It's like okay, if Matt McGill's not the guy, then who may be the guy there? I don't know. If if Jose the Clerk stinks, Rafael Soriano is probably the guy that benefits because uh, Joelis Rodriguez is going to miss like half the year uh, with it with uh, he's already injured. He's not going to be able to start on time. So I mean there are certain pieces uh, of things, but. Yeah, it's so tough. Uh, I would just, like I said, rather anchor it and then take some chances elsewhere. But I, I can't imagine going into it and say, I'm just going to I'm going to take a, a, a tier three guy or I'm going to stay in the tier three of closers and 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 be successful. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it. I don't think it's going to work out well for people. Prove me wrong, folks. I, you know, I, the, I hate you, I hate the stat. Prove me wrong. But you can yeah. always get lucky. But I think it's a bad strategy. Like, I mean, yeah, sure. Maybe you decide, like, okay, I'm not going to pay for saves, and I'm just going to, you know, roster some guys in some shaky bullpen situations uh, and, and hope to pop. But, like, the if you pop, like, that doesn't mean it was a good strategy. You just, you got lucky, um, you know, and especially in a shortened season where things could be spurred out, where there's less time for people to establish themselves. Like, I just don't know that that is the right strategy this year. All right, um, we're going to cut it off there. Uh, unless, well, I had put Fab Strategy on there for a shortened season. Do you have any thoughts on how aggressive you're going to be uh, versus, uh, you know, whether or not you're going to, like, because I think everybody is going to be, or the majority of people are going to be super, super aggressive early on. I don't think that's a bad strategy, but I also want to give myself some added wiggle room in the middle of the, the shortened season and especially at the end. 
Yeah, I uh, if if I had a team, it really depends on my current roster construction. Like if I have a team, um, like my local NL where I really don't, it's a it's a saves plus holds league, and I don't have any saves. Like I will be, I, I would be aggressive there uh, for that. I got a few, I have some guys with holds, but I don't have a a true closer there. So. You know, in that league, I may be a little more aggressive, but I know like last year I bought Michael Chavis right out of the gate and was aggressive with him because I had a lineup hole in AL Tout that he plugged quite nicely until he started fading out. But I spent 300 and something dollars on him out of a thousand right out of the gate. Uh, and I overpaid because I think the second place team was like $80, but you know, whatever I needed, it filled the gap because I had a gap at that time. And I was in first place up until uh, through the all-star break um, in that league. So he definitely helped fill that. So it really depends on where you're. Uh, what holes you have in your team coming out of the draft. And if the right guy comes out, be aggressive. Again, seven weeks, 60 games. Uh, the more you have that guy on your roster, the more benefit you'll get out of him. If you're going to sit around and wait for the trade deadline, because I know that's a popular thing, Not to me, not worth it. I mean, trade deadline is what is August 31st. I don't even know where that falls in the, in the calendar week, but it's like you may not even be able to get him on your roster until September 5th. That, and that's the when you look at. I'm trying to find out when exactly August 31st where it falls on the calendar this year. But that's part of the issue for me is when is that going to uh, when is that person going to be able to get on my team? And if I look at August 31st, August 31st a is a Monday. So if they make that trade Monday, you may not. If you have a two week train, if two, twice a week, so maybe September 3rd you get them on your roster. But if by by normal rules. September 7th is the first day he's going to contribute and the season ends three weeks. So don't wait until the, don't wait until that trade deadline, get stuff settled in. I mean, that should be shoring up your roster, not trying to, not trying to be like bank on everything. Like, Oh, this guy's going to get crossover league. He's going to be able to make this. Uh, uh, he's going to jump over from the AL to the NL and is going to be huge. I wouldn't wait unless you have a and daily is different, but man, in, in a weekly transaction leave with that thing being on a Monday and most of these teams hanging until the last hour to do something, um, then you got to wait another week for that guy to get on your roster. And that sucks. So don't wait. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to be very aggressive this year, which is not in my nature. Uh, I also am not going to be the person who drops $950 on a player. Like, I'm just not, <laughs> like, I'm not going to be that guy. There will be teams in the main event, in, in other fab leagues, uh, that uh, drop 90% of their fab in the first two weeks. I will not be that person, but I'm definitely going to be much more aggressive in terms of, uh, you know, fabbing guys turning over my roster uh, than I ever have been, just because I, I think you have to in a shortened season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you got to be aggressive, and usually I will, you know, you can throw all these rules out the window about, you know, hey, you should be uh, if you believed in a guy, you should have him on your roster a certain amount of time. Yeah, that's going out the window. It's like now I don't want to repeat the mistake I did last year where I cut Liam Hendricks a week before he became the closer because I ran out of roster space and needed something like that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that 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 one hurt hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's just it's I had to I had to free up a roster spot to get somebody in and. That hurt about eight days before he became the, he was anointed the closer. And at the time is like Blake Trinan wasn't, you know, it was all the, he's our closer. He's doing fine. And then a week later I cut him. And then a week later he goes, Hendricks gets the job. And I may have won the league last year. I had not done that, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but anyhow, uh, you, you can't have as much patience uh, as you normally do in a league uh, this time around. It's like guy loses his job. He's out. Bye. Uh, if he's going to be hurt for if he's going to be hurt seven to ten days, and we all know my rule, you add more time out of that, he's gone by. You got to be more aggressive with your with your ads and your cuts because you know 
you don't have a lot of time to to uh, to put things together. Yep. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode. You got anything coming up uh, on the docket other than your uh, vacation? Uh, I've got that. I've got that draft uh, with Pitcher List that they're putting together Wednesday to follow online, raise charity, uh, much like that. And then I got to honestly get back in the writing. The last thing I wrote was the, the the piece about the new pitches of 2020 that I was supposed to present it at uh, PitchCon uh, that I wasn't able to because of uh, death, death in the family. So that was the last thing I've written because it's nice to be able to talk about baseball again. I've been talking on a weekly basis, but to write has been extremely tough. I have just biggest writer block because it's like, what else do I write about? Now that we have something, it's, you know, we're three weeks away from a season uh, or three and a half weeks, hopefully, away from starting a season. Now I feel like I have the energy to write about something again. But, you know, bless you for those of you guys that have been writing throughout because I, I honestly don't know how you kept the motivation. It hasn't been me. I have not been writing nearly as much as I should. I've been putting out articles here and there, but uh, starting, I think, tonight, I'm writing daily. So the Roto Write-Up nice. is going to start back up again over on uh, Fangraphs. Uh, I've got two new articles that are going to be in-season articles uh, this year, and I haven't yet decided if they're going to go on Fangraphs or Friends of Fantasy Benefits or another project that I, I, I might be working on. Uh, so we'll see, but the, I'll announce those uh, as we get closer to the season and and I know where I'm going to put them. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, podcasts are just going, going to be going crazy for me. My, unfortunately, my work decided to put me back down to part-time after making me full-time uh, to compensate for, uh, you know, things going on in terms of the pandemic in my county. Uh, so, but now that I'm back down to, uh, you know, permanent part-time, uh, it gives me more time to do podcasts. So I'm going to be doing two podcasts, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, next or this week. Uh, one on Monday, a positional preview. And then on Wednesday, we're doing the Friends of Fantasy Benefits main event qualifier draft. And we're going to be live streaming it and turning it into uh, a podcast as well. Uh, and then I'm going to be doing some TGFBI pods. Uh, and then when you're on vacation, uh, Matt Davis and uh, Bubba Entrican are going to join me uh, next week. So that should be fun as well. Sweet, yeah. Next week, uh, gonna be hiding in a, in a mountain somewhere. Nice, uh, for good for weekend. you. But then normally, yeah, normally back on Sundays. Uh, you know, my work schedule is adjusted too. I have every Friday off now, but uh, it all depends. But I am on vacation this entire week, uh, so I am. I don't do not have to go back to work until July sixth. So I am looking forward to that. Nice. And I just uh, counted. I, I'm down to 15 leagues now. Wow, that's a nuts. I mean, you were like 24 last year, right? Yeah, and I wasn't like eight. 24 <laughs> after, you know, March 3rd this year or something like that. So I'm an eight. That grew because I had it down to five last year. And then the triple, I, I didn't add any, you know, I labor, tout, TGFBI, local AL, NL. Those were the five. It's just the triple threat that, that Ben Riper put together. Those are my new three. But uh, outside of that, yeah. And, if I remember correctly, those all the categories, like the points add up. So it's like one winner. It's not like you won this one, you won this one, you won this one. It's the combined results um, allow you to do that, if I remember. We did that draft two months ago. I mean, they were fun doing them, but uh, yeah, I forget. I forget the exact rules, but I'm in eight uh, leagues this year. Yeah, I'm in 15, and I, you know, I might add another league or two to that. Uh, I've got two main event drafts coming up uh, here in the next month, and uh, like I said, the main event qualifier uh, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, and if even if I add, you know, one or two leagues, like I'm not gonna. This will be the first year in a long time where I don't have 20 leagues. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and people say we're not. You know, I hear 
talking to my barber. He's like, how many of these leagues you in? I'm like, I don't know, five to eight. He's like, man, I can't even do. He's like, he's got like two uh, fantasy football leagues and he feels like that's too many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, uh... Yeah. I said two, two fantasy football leagues is too many. I, the only one I, I do two myself and it's one in his barbershop league just because we can come in and talk trash. Uh, and then the other one is usually one Michael Rathburn puts together here in Charlotte pros versus Joe's. And I just, I, you know, do that for fun uh, as one of the, as one of the Joe's because uh, I don't write fantasy football, but I do, I do enjoy talking trash. So uh, that's fun. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm actually just in awe. I, I joked about it on Twitter that it took a pandemic for me to cut down uh, the <laughs> amount of teams, but it's actually true. And uh, I, I don't know that I'm going to uh, invest any more than I already am. So uh, yeah, well, for, uh, with that, uh, for Jason and myself, thank you for listening. Uh, I will talk to you next week. See ya.